Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Before I get into my message here today, I want to make sure that I give you a personal invitation to Tuesday night. Tuesday night, Revival Night with Chad Veach. We have been praying that the power of the Holy Spirit is here in this place. We want to see revival. We want to see people up at the front of this building that no one thought could get saved. We want to see them get saved on Tuesday. We want to see healing. Who could see some healings and some miracles taking place here on Tuesday? Come on, are you with me? Put your hands together if you're with me here today. I agree. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, uh, Chad Beach coming all the way from Los Angeles. I believe the presence and the power of God is going to be here. It is going to be absolutely great. Uh, I can't wait. We're going to release a brand new song called The God of Hope is on Our Side. We're going to sing it uh, tomorrow night. Brand new uh, City of Life original. Also, I want to tell you that August the 22nd, for all the men in the church, uh, Mighty Men Alliance, MMA, that's our men's ministry here at City of Life. We're doing an event at Top Golf, uh, August the 28th at 10 a.m. where we expect as many men as want to come. We're going to give you the sign up for that very shortly, but put that on your calendar right now. Also, that is the day we're going to be launching our 30-day fitness challenge. By the end of this challenge, you're going to be doing 100 push-ups a day. You're going to be, uh, you, you, may, you may be surprised, but you're going to be in shape. You, you, we're going to get you into shape. It's going to be an amazing time. Also, uh, during that period of time, we're going to uh, kind of launch some smaller men's groups here in the church, and it's going to be a, a really great thing. I'm excited about what God is doing. Look at someone next. You say, it's going to be real good today. And you're right about that. Turn with me to chap- Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 through 30. That is my text. And it says this. Welcome, everyone, by the way, watching online. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I'm gonna talk to you today about vacation. Father, thank you so much for your friendship, for your presence, your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that in last service, I was able to pray in between services with the Sullivan family um, who lost someone incredibly dear to them, able to pray with someone that is having open heart surgery tomorrow, just to illustrate, God, that no matter where we are in our lives, Lord, you're with us. And for people that are in this room today or watching online that are going through a devastating situation and need some hope, you are here right now, God, moving on their behalf, making provision and making a way. And we speak miracles all over this room right now in Jesus' name. People watching that believe in the name of Jesus, move on our behalf today. Be with us through our storms. And God, I pray today that we would get a word from this message about how you want to be with us in each and every circumstance. Give me the ability to share this in a way that honors you and is true to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I'm grateful that as I grew up at this church, my mom and dad were building this church from scratch in 1986. And we came, there just wasn't anyone here. Uh, Had to work on it. And my dad uh, did a lot of work. And I remember him leaving early in the morning every week. And uh, he had to go meet people. There was no 
Instagram or Facebook, you couldn't put a link up and say, hey, if you're interested, come here. You had to go actually meet people. You had to give people your phone number. And they called you on this thing called a house phone. And uh, you actually had to be home at your house when the phone rang and someone would yell from the other room, Jeff, you got a call. And you had to come into the kitchen where this phone had this thing called a cord on it. And it was like extremely long and curly. And sometimes when you were listening to someone talk that you weren't really interested in what they had to say, you would hold the end of the cord and let the phone unravel. You remember when you did that where it got tangled up and then it becomes like three times longer? It's just like a completely different time. My dad and mom used to just crush meetings, going out and, and, and finding people to network with, inviting people. And they worked, they worked, they worked. It was a lot of work building a church from scratch. And I love the fact that my parents showed me a great work ethic. But what I love about my parents, what they instilled in us, is equally as important as, as work is the concept of rest. Okay, And I, I do think that it's great to have sayings like, work hard, play hard. I agree with that. I think when you're in, in the downshift mode and you want to have a good time, that's great to have a good time. And, and I even think that you know, our, our topic here, vacation, I think is, is important. I think that my family had regular vacations. I think we went to the same condo over in Ponce Inlet like 22 years or in a row uh, from, the, from like, you know, the, the 80s. Like we went to the same spot. We would go fishing to the same restaurants over near Daytona Beach. And, and vacation was a part of our life. And I think vacations are important. But I want to kind of throw an idea out here today that vacations are great, but I think sometimes we mistake our need for vacation for our need for rest. And there's a difference between vacation and rest. And when we read in Matthew chapter 11 that Jesus invites us to this rest, he invites us. He says, come to me, everybody who is stressed out, high school students, if you're about to start another year of school, you can be under just as much stress as your parents who are trying to earn a living. If you're not, I mean, don't think this just applies to old people. This applies to anybody. I mean, a lot of you've got incredible pressure. You're, in, you're, you're an athlete. You're a student athlete. You've got friendships. You're trying to manage going to church and living the life that God has called you to live as a student. You've got all kinds of layers of things on you. And if you're not careful, you'll mistake yourself into believing if I can just get to spring break, or if I can just get to winter vacation, you might not need a vacation. You might need some rest in Jesus right now. Jesus invites us to this awesome time of, of being with him. He says, it's real rest. He says, walk with me, work with me. He's actually inferring that we can rest while working. That it's possible to learn a, about a type of rest that we can integrate into our world and into our lifestyle where we can work with Jesus and learn how to rest. Learning the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy on you. Keep company with me and learn how to live freely. Yes. I'm so grateful that my parents taught me the concept of rest. I think that rest is overlooked. I think when we look at Genesis chapter 2, and we see that it says on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day. My God. Yeah, these pants with holes in the knees. I see what you're talking about last week. Yeah, I mean, imagine if someone from 40 years ago saw me. They would look like, I look like I've been in a motorcycle accident. Um, on, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. 
Let me ask you a question. Why did God rest? Have you ever thought about that? Why, does that mean that God has limited energy? Sometimes when we rest, we rest because we're just tired. We're just worn out. Like you got to take, take a rest. But in this particular case, that's not what's happening. How do we know this? Because we know that God is omnipotent. That means he has all power. Uh, we know from Genesis 17, he's called the Almighty God. Psalm 147, he says he's great and mighty in power. Isaiah 40, 28 says the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. It means he doesn't get tired. So what does this mean? It means that God rested when he wasn't tired. So if God rested when he wasn't tired, how much more should you rest when you are? If God rested... Though he didn't need to rest physically or emotionally, what about you when you don't rest? Why did God rest? Well, I think that the context of, of Genesis 2, when we're watching that God had just, I mean, God, it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't creative exhaustion. He didn't go, oh, it was so challenging inventing the rhinoceros. I just, I am so drained after that. The whole horn thing. It's like no one ever would have thought that I did, but I'm going to need a day off here. No, this, this is not what happened to God. This is not why he rested. It actually suggests here that he rested for the principle of looking on what he did and enjoying it. It was simply a pause of the work, not a reinvigoration after work. His primary purpose for resting wasn't just reinvigorating himself. It, it wasn't a process. Rest wasn't a process for God. It was a principle. See, there are times that you need to do what Genesis 1.31 says, when God saw all that he made, and it was very good. There are times that you just need to stop and look at your work, and you, need to, you know what you need to do? You need to look at it and go, that's really good. You know what's interesting about God saying that his work is good is really the opposite of what I tend to do with my own work. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I look at my work, I do the opposite. I go, oh, that's terrible. It's no good. No one's going to like it. It's not good enough. I need to work harder on it. I need to be more creative. I need to ditch the original and tear it up and start from scratch. I have a great idea in there somewhere. You know what that attitude will get you? Nothing. It'll, it will get you nowhere because when you don't learn to celebrate the good that you have done, you'll be so critical of yourself that you'll shut down future dreams. There are times in your life that you need to stop where you are. And the principle that God shows us here is sometimes you just need to pause and look at what you've done and say, this was really good. It was really good. I mean, I, I've got some, you know, personal goals. We got this, we got this uh, fitness challenge that's coming up. I'm, I'm trying to do a certain amount of push-ups every day. And I, I sometimes don't meet my goal. And I'm, I, I sometimes feel discouraged because I can't do exactly what I want. But there are times that I need to stop and say, look at how much better I'm doing right now than I was doing when I started this. And you know what? You need to celebrate some of those things sometimes. The principle of rest encourages you. To keep moving forward and say, hey, I can do this. Put your hand on your heart and say, I can do this today. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, you can do this today. God saw all that he made and it was very good. You know, the Sabbath, the concept of the Sabbath, 
Sometimes when we teach the Sabbath, or I say that, I mean, people really don't teach the Sabbath very much. It's like a Ten Commandment, which, by the way, in case you're wondering, you say, oh, well, the, that's the law. Jesus came to abolish the law. No, he came to fulfill it, and that's actually God's moral law, which will never be abolished. The Ten Commandments are still fully as important and necessary now as they ever were. We haven't done away with any of them. It deals with morality. That doesn't change on God's standard. So, every, I mean, imagine if you heard about a church and you're like, well, that church, you know, 80% of the members, you know, kill people once a week. That'd be, I mean, that'd be sadistic. That would be, you know, they, they, they would need, the FBI would need to investigate them. They'd be ignoring, blatantly ignoring one of the Ten Commandments. But yet, one of the other Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What is the Sabbath? Now, I'm not saying that to discourage us, make us go, oh, I never keep the Sabbath away. I'm just saying that it is so important. It says, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, work six days, and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to your God. Don't do any work. Not you, not your son, your daughter, your servant, maid, animals, even the foreign guests visiting your home. For in six days God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. So you're saying, well, what is this supposed to mean? What am I supposed to do with this? I'm telling you that it is so important to have a day. That principle is a seventh of your week that you purposely step back from things and you rest. You rest, listen, this may be a crazy concept, but you rest unto God. You're doing it as unto the Lord, a gift unto the Lord. Why should that be so challenging for us to learn how to rest? It's saying, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your time just being with God, just having some space in your life. Did you know that in design or in art, there is something that is called white space? And white space is actually the place on the page where the artist or the designer can create art. And the reason they can create art is because of the contrast between the white space and whatever is printed or written or drawn on that or painted on that page. We would have no concept of what the art looked like without the white space. Some people call it negative space. In graphic design, White space draws the viewer to focus on the images and text that are most important. And white space brings intimacy and immediacy to the page, awakening the foreground and quieting the background. It's that white space that allows the images to be perceived clearly and beautifully. You would have no image. You wouldn't be able to read or appreciate something that's printed without that negative space or that white space in the back. As a matter of fact, when I was writing my book, Jesus First, Jesus Always, one of the most enjoyable parts of the book was working with the designers on the layout of the book. These guys are the publishing company I got to work with. I can't even believe God allowed me to do it. It was such a phenomenal experience. The best of the best. Designed some of the biggest books out there. And I got to look at all these different things and go through the process. And they said, well, what do you want it to feel like? I said, well, I want there to be certain pages we will take a phrase or something from the book and we just print it that alone on one page. Let's do that like 15 or 20 times in the book. They said, oh, you want to use white space? I said, yes. 
And they said, well, that's going to be more expensive. I said, I don't care. I just want to do it because I, I want there to be moments that really hop out. So here, that's an example right there of a page from Jesus First, Jesus Always. And even though it doesn't matter if it's gray or black, uh, whatever, the white space, the, the negative space, as some people call it, is the area in the back that makes the text jump out. I wonder if you have enough white space in your life. Do you have enough space in your life? Or has your life become severely crowded? I don't know what kind of reader you are, but has anyone ever been assigned a project or you decide you're going to read a book and all of a sudden you open it and there's like 10,000 words on one page? You're like, nope. <laughs> like, you ever done that before? Like, you, you see the text, it's like, there's way too, like, I get discouraged. It's like you're trying to read the dictionary or something. It's like, I, I go back to my Curious George days. I'm like, let me go back to there. I just want like nine words on one page with pictures, you know? Uh, that's the way I feel sometimes about books. But, but the re there, there, there's a psychology behind that. It's sometimes the way things are laid out, it, it's, it's more pleasing to look at. It draws us in because there's enough space for us to perceive and understand what's going on. I wonder if you have enough spiritual white space in your life right now. Have you created enough room in your life to rest and to let God Speak clarity about all the things that are being printed on the pages of your life. Or have things become too cluttered in your life? Do you have enough margin in your life? You know, in the layout of a book, I've seen books that were laid out poorly before where they print it from one edge of the page to the other and the words almost run directly off. That's awful. That means you don't have correct margin in your life, which creates the space by which you can perceive what is printed or, or written. You need some spiritual white space. How about some rest in Jesus? That's what, that's what we really need, some rest in Jesus. I've had vacation. I mean, okay, so if the goal for you is vacation, um, vacation might not be the answer. I've had vacations before where I came home and needed a vacation. Uh, it was just too much. Any, can anyone relate with me on that? Just absolutely too much. Uh, but I've also had vacations where we planned all kinds of things that were very fun and went to some great locations with all kinds of popular worldwide famous things where those things were actually not the highlight of my vacation. There have been times before where when I lost myself in the moment, God created memorable moments of rest for me in that vacation. I remember a time where I went to Los Angeles with Amy and I went to preach at Dream Church uh, at the Dream Center in L.A. And um, after we were done preaching, we decided that we want to stay for a couple of days. And we said, well, let's rent a car and let's drive up PCH, the Pacific Coastal Highway. Let's drive from Los Angeles all the way to San Francisco. We have no plans. We'll get up eight, nine o'clock in the morning and we'll just go. I don't know where we're going to stay up there. We'll figure it out on the way. We'll find a place and we'll just figure out, we'll eat wherever we want to eat, which ended up being in and out like four times in one trip. Uh, but we'll eat wherever we want to eat. We'll go to little towns. We'll stop. We'll, there's no schedule. I cannot tell you how special that day was. It's a day I will literally never forget. The weather was perfect. 
my wife was so gorgeous. I can remember her right now. I mean, the, mo- the moment, those, those big brown eyes, I fall for them every single time. But that day was so, be- was so beautiful. Driving along, we had a, a fun little car that we had the, the, the moonroof back and the, the breeze is blowing. California weather's great anyways. And we're driving down the road. All of a sudden, we're driving by the water. We look over and she goes, are those seals? I said, What? She goes, look over there. She, and I look over and literally hundreds of seals that are on the beach and there's no one anywhere. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening right now. We pull over our car. There's not one soul, not a car anywhere. We're in, halfway in between Los Angeles, San Francisco. There are hundreds of seals out on the beach and I'm like, we're like walking up by them and I'm like, don't get too close to them. And they're, or, or, you know, they're, they're making all these sounds and everything. And it, we're, we're not taking pictures or anything. We're just like almost in tears at how beautiful and like, is this really happening right now? Then we got in our car and drove along. And we found this place called the Hearst Mansion. And, and uh, William Hearst was like a, a, a mogul in, in the, the, I guess the 20s and 30s. And, and he, he built his empire off of uh, journalism and, and, and own newspapers and stuff. And I think that he was worth $3 billion back there at the time, but now he would be worth $31 billion. But he built a mansion, like kind of in the middle of nowhere, right across from the ocean, and you can tour it out there. And we went and toured this mansion, totally breathtaking. Before we even got there, the reason we toured the mansion is after we left the seals, which is literally like National Geographic, we look over and it's, it, we're driving in the middle of nowhere and she goes, what is that? And I look over, it's a giraffe. In, in the middle of nowhere, a giraffe. I'm like, did we die? And like we're in heaven or something? Because I see a zebra. Uh, so we, we're, they're just like running, looking at us like, yeah, I'm real. You know, it's like incredible. It's unbelievable. And like, we're like, what's going on? So then, then like 10 miles up the road, we see there's this place called the Hearst Mansion. And we stop there and find out that this guy was a, a, a huge mogul that brought all the Hollywood stars there to his mansion in the middle of nowhere. They used to have these huge parties and he brought in animals from Africa that on his ranch, this is like 50, 60, 70 years ago. And like, this is like the, the grandchildren of giraffes. I don't know what that you call them, but like, this is like, like generations of, of animals that have been raised out here. We had like this day. I'll never forget this day. We were in Boston one time and rented a car and decided we want to go see the coastline of Maine. We drove up the coastline of Maine. We got lobster rolls. We got, uh, you know, clam chowder. We, we stopped at these little lighthouse towns. I can't remember the name of them. We went on the side of the road and found this massive cliff by this tree where a lighthouse was. And it was overlooking these cliffs with a beach down there. And it was like 70 degrees. And we laid under the tree and took a nap for two hours. These moments are some of the most special moments that I've ever had that came not from planning. It came from a spirit of rest. It came out of a place of I'm with you. You're with me. Let's just have a good time and see what happens. And I'll never forget those kinds of moments. Why? Because we created space. We created some white space in our life. You need to calm down a little bit. You need to calm down a little bit and let God do something special. Let him surprise you in these moments where you just say, God, show me something special in my life. It comes from a place of rest. It comes from that white space. That's why our obsession with our phones, 
I don't want to be the guy that is always like, oh, Pastor Jeff doesn't like phones. I love phones. I mean, phones are amazing. But I don't think that we need to wake up. Do you? Do you think we need to wake up every day and, and this is the first move of the day? Really? <laughs> this is the first move of the day. Can you imagine seeing a video of yourself? This is our move. Or, or imagine someone, or imagine just having a moment of break in your day. And you sit down and you get a quiet space. <laughs> this, is, this is what you do. This is like supposed to relax you. Or, you know, it's why this obsession can be damaging to our soul. To, to, to be in this place where we can't just put that down. How about just putting that down and having nothing except a, a few moments with you and the Lord for God to just do something in you? Just a little mini Sabbath in the middle of your day. A little time of rest where the Holy Spirit can just breathe some life back into you again, remind you of who you are. Reflect a little bit. We need some restoration of the soul. Maybe you're here today and... You're just bummed out. Maybe you're going through the worst time ever. I, I talked about a minute ago some families in our church who are having a tough time right now. I get it. I mean, and, and even ministry people or whatever, please don't think that you know, just because someone's in ministry or has accomplished certain things that they don't go through tough times. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived, the Bible says that he was actually suicidal. After one of his biggest victories, it says that he came to a, a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. He said, enough of this, God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. He was exhausted and he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. So maybe you're in a spot like that today where life has just exhausted you. You're disappointed with the results. I know that for him, he was very fearful because he knew that Queen Jezebel was after him and wanted to kill him, so he was dealing with a lot of anxiety. And he collapses under this bush and he goes to sleep. And I want to show you a little practical thing that God did for him that I absolutely love. I never really noticed this specifically until uh, till I was studying this. It says he, he fell asleep. And I like the fact that God let him fall asleep. Look at someone next to you and say, you might need a nap. You know, tell someone, you might need a nap. Naps are great. I love naps. That's not just an old man thing. I liked naps when I was in high school. I used to come home from football practice, and I would go right into my room and boom, crash until dinner time. That's just, that's, I love naps. It says this, suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. Somebody say, praise the Lord. How many people like some food up in this jug? Sometimes you need a nap, and then sometimes you need a snack. Sometimes you just need, it really ain't much more than that. You just need a nap, and you say, I need a word. No, you need a nap. I need someone to speak a prophecy to me. No, you need an Oreo is what you need. You need a snack. And you, you might need some carbs today because, because check out what God just did right here. It says, he looked around 
And to his, if you're on low carb, I'm so sorry. I just, I just discouraged you right there. But God, God's about to do something that's going to blow your mind here. Verse 6, it says, Elijah looked around and to his surprise, right by his head, he's out in the middle of nowhere, was a loaf of bread. <laughs> Baked on some coals and a diet Mountain Dew. Does it say it? It, it does. No, it doesn't say it. it says a jug of water, but it's the same thing because Diet Mountain Dew, that's the nectar of heaven right there. It says, God baked him, the angel literally baked him a loaf of Red Lobster's cheese biscuits. I ain't even playing with you. <laughs> Brought him some Texas Roadhouse rolls, hot butter rolls, put it right by here, the place that he was sleeping, and God said, what you need is you need to get encouraged. You need a nap. You need a snack, you need to get some rest, you need to get your head right because you're doing some crazy talk right now. Your life ain't over because I'm not done with you yet. I've got more to come. So let's get back on track. Let's get the rest we need in our soul and have an Oreo and move on into our destiny. I kind of look like an Oreo today. I knew I liked this outfit. <laughs> Double stuff. Well, Dad, double stuff. Come on, I've been working hard. You call me double stuff over here. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I love this, though. It says he ate the meal and went back to sleep. He needed a nap again. And the angel came back and shook him again and said, hey, get up and eat some more. I like this. You might need to eat twice. You got a long journey ahead of you. It says he got up and ate and drank his fill and set out. I love this. This is real says, nourished by that meal, he walked 40 days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. And when he got to Horeb, that is where God whispered to him and spoke to him a powerful word that changed his life and rocked his world. So that meal nourished him for 40 days. Something as practical as a meal. See, you may be over-spiritualizing some of the things you need. You might need some rest in your life. You might need some time in your life to downshift a little bit. We're in the middle. And you say, well, I'm not rich. I can't afford to rest like everyone else is. No, you can figure out a way. I had an a, a Instagram a couple weeks ago where I think I said, look, no matter where you are, what you're doing, even if you're work, if you, at work, you, if you can't find a, no other place to go, go in a bathroom stall. Shut yourself in a bathroom stall and take 30 seconds and lift up your hands over your head and close your eyes and say, Father, I worship you today. Lord, I rest in your peace today. Lord, give me, give me a spirit of peace today. Let me rest in you. Energize me to know who you are. Then just be quiet for a second. No matter what, go out in the parking lot. Walk around. Be quiet for a second and just let God. Let, sometimes silence is, is so underrated. We just need some silence in our life to quiet everything. Turn our phone off. Turn our, you know, AirPods off. Turn a TV off, Netflix off. Just be quiet for a second and listen to the Lord love you. Listen to him love you. We opened up with that text where he invited us. Come to me and I'm going to give you rest. We need this kind of peace. We need peace in our life. Isaiah chapter 9 says that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name will be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. What is peace? It's not a place. It's not a practice. It's a person. And his name 
is Jesus. And that word, peace, is the word shalom. And the word shalom means to be safe in mind, body, or estate. What does that mean, mind, body, or estate? When you lose your peace, when you get bad news and you're up at night and you can't sleep, what's happened is you've lost your peace. You're worried about your body. You're worried about your house. You're worried about your relationship. What's happened? You've lost your peace. You have no security in those things. And that's what rest will bring us. Rest will bring us back into the peace of God. Who wants to live in the peace of God in your life? See, when you get worried about your job, you say, oh, no, they're going to fire me. Well, what are you worried about? If they fire you, you ain't going to make no money. What's going to happen if you don't make no money? You ain't going to have no place to live. If you ain't got no place to live, you're going to be on a street. And it just goes on and on and on. So when you lose your peace, you lose everything. And true biblical peace is not the absence of problems and turmoil. True biblical peace is the presence of wholeness. See, you're not just trying to look for a situation where you have no, more, no problems. The goal of rest in the Lord is that in the middle of all your problems, God will bring you a peace that is beyond explanation. In the middle of your in the middle of your grief, in the middle of your sickness, in the middle of your sadness, in the middle of your divorce, in the middle of your abandonment, in the middle of your health difficulty, God will bring you to a place of peace. It's not the absence of problems, it's the presence of wholeness. Peace doesn't mean there's nothing wrong. It means there's something right in me. And his name is Jesus. There's something right in me. And his name is Jesus. One of my favorite verses, really short verse, Mark 4, 39, what Jesus said, peace, be still. Look at someone next to you and just say those words of Jesus. Say, peace, be still. That's what parents say to their kids when they're squirming around in church, but they don't say the peace part. Be still, boy. Be still. Peace, be still. I love that today. I love the idea that we have an opportunity to rest in him, to not get off track and believe that we just need a better vacation, but we need to rest in him. And what's great is when you rest in him, you live with peace in your day-to-day -day life, but you also live with peace when you're on vacation. <laughs> you know, I, I hope that, that your vacations are not with that mentality. You ever heard that phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Well, that's ridiculous. What happens in Vegas is clearly seen in heaven. There is no place that you can go or do something where God is not seeing what you're doing. Please don't be mistaken. And someday when we stand before God, and our life is shown on that massive HD screen to the whole world, every detail of our lives. And we're reviewing every detail in front of everyone, everyone we ever lied to. Every thought that we ever had that wasn't pleasing to God is revealed. And we see it all played out. We'll realize that we should have been who we were supposed to be at home or on vacation or away. Decide who you are now in Christ Live it out today and live it out wherever you go. Don't go live some alternate life when you're on vacation. When you're on vacation, then, then your vacation is a damaging thing. You need to come home and recover from your vacation. But 
I would challenge you that when you decide to live in the rest of God, now in the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of the schedule, it'll invigorate your vacations where you, you have the freedom then to rejuvenate, to have a great time, to enjoy. Plus, I just don't think a vacation is a reason to quit being who God has called you to be. I, I had something that happened to me a couple weeks ago, and I didn't write it, I didn't share it on my Instagram or anything like that, just because it was a personal sort of story. And I, I don't know, I want to protect it a little bit just because it, it was so real the way it happened. But uh, Aim and I were at a really beautiful resort where we went to this uh, pastor's conference that was held here at this resort uh, down, down in West Palm. It's like one of the nicest places I've ever been, five-star kind of hotel. And I was out by the pool hanging out, and um, I was with, with a group of friends, and Aim is standing right there. All of a sudden, this couple is like on the side of the pool, like, like leaning on the side of the pool, like floating on the side of the pool. And, and the, the wife, she goes, hey, what, what are you doing here? Like to me, she says, what are you doing here? I said, I'm just here hanging out with my family. I said, you know, got, my wife is here. We're, we're at a pastor's conference. And she goes, is that a pirate's hat? So I had on this, I had on this uh, Puma uh, golf hat that's like a navy hat that has like a pink P on the top of it. It's got like uh, palm trees on it. I just wear it when I'm golfing with my buddies. It's like a golf hat. But everyone always thinks it's a pirate's hat. And I said, no, I said, I said, people ask me that all the time. I said, it's just a Puma hat. And the, and the husband says, I guess I lost the bet, you know, to his wife. He's like, I thought, I thought, he's like, I thought you were a Pittsburgh fan. And I, I was like, are you guys from Pittsburgh? They're like, yeah. And so, so all of a sudden she goes, well, are you, a, are you a pastor? I said, actually, yeah, I, I am. I am a pastor. She goes, oh, I'm so glad that I, I'm getting to talk to you. She said, we just got married. She said, and we've been wondering if we should become Christians or not. I was like, definitely, definitely. She's like, but we just don't know that much about it. And she's like, we, you know, we don't understand a lot of it. And, and, and I said, well, can I explain some of it to you? And, and she was like, yeah. And I mean, they're both like just literally floating right here, like looking, it's like crazy. It's like, and I start explaining everything and Jesus loves you and he cares for you. And you know, no, no matter what you've been through or done, he was, he was there with you through it all. And he, he loved you enough to die for you. And she was like, and, and, he, and the guy was like, yeah, this guy is huge. He was like, he was like, this is really cool. I, I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I almost start crying like as I'm just talking to him. And I was like, can I pray with you guys? And, and she was like, she was like, would you? And I was like, yes, I was like, I, I would. And she was like, do you think we should get baptized? I was like, yes, I was like, to totally. She's like, I wish we could come to your church. She's like, your church seems like it would be so cool. I said, well, I wish you could come too. I said, but there's like an ocean out there. I was like, and if you guys want, I'll meet you tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. I'll baptize you in that ocean. And, and she started crying and he started crying. And, and, and she's like, would you do that? So I just wanted to show you these pictures here really quick. Uh, I met them at eight o'clock that next morning. And that's Kelsey and Frank. And uh, Everett and uh, Jess were down there uh, and met us out there this morning to take some of the videos for us. I got to explain the message of salvation to them. I was on my vacation uh, when this happened, but you don't take a vacation from who you are in Jesus. You always live out who you are from Jesus. So if I'm on vacation, this is, who, this is what I wanna be doing. So let's go to the next one. And the next one is a little long, but I just wanted to show you the actual video. It was 
not ideal conditions. Uh, but how many, how many people know we don't ever give up no matter what the conditions are in our life. We keep pressing on. And Frank is a massive human being. For me to baptize Frank uh, shows my commitment to the cross of Christ. Uh, but Frank was totally awesome. He had tears in his eyes the whole time. And, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, that wave will be perfect. Down you go. In the name of Jesus. And then this is us at the uh, And I sent them off a copy of my book, Jesus First, Jesus Always, and I helped find a church for them in their city, and I hope to see them here at City of Life someday. Uh, but the point I wanna make to you today is that you might not just need a vacation, you might need more rest in who Jesus wants to be to you, and that rest will refresh you. It'll remind you of who you're supposed to be. That way, no matter where you are, you're gonna be exactly where God wants you to be. That's what we need the most today, we need rest in Jesus. Can we give God a great praise today? I love him so much. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.